0: I went in for my appointment, and this individual, obviously registered nurse, decides to tell me, hey, why are you here? And I said, for chest pain. And she says, look around. I look around the waiting room, and she says, we look busy, don't we? And I said, yes, ma'am, obviously respecting rank. And she goes, come back another day. And that was heart attack number one.
1: Thank you for joining me again. I want to first thank all of my Patreon supporters. We have an anonymous family donor at $20.20. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, Megan. At $10 a month, we have Kevin and Pat and Bev. We have the Refined Not Burn tier at $5 with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, and Ken. We have Addison Mulder, who's made his own $3 a month level. We have Frank giving $1.50 a month. And then we have the Courage is Contagious tier at $1 with Amanda, Jay, Spessnasty, Durrell, Susan, B.B. King, and Rick. I want to thank everyone for supporting. And today we're going to give you the, the link to a Give, Send, Go to help our next guest. Our, our guest today is Carolina Stancic. Carolina, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on in your life and what's happened to you through the time that you've been in the military in this very short time that you've been in the military?
0: Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Before I start, obviously, still in, so every opinion, thought, view, experience will be my own, and it won't be representing the DOD or the U.S. Army. With that being said, I joined the military in February of 2021. Uh, That was right around the time that the military decided to start mandating a vaccine that we didn't know much about. And I received the vaccine in March and April of 2021. Since then, I've experienced uh, pretty drastic responses from the vaccine. Three heart attacks later, a mini stroke, a diagnosis with POTS, postular orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. I just recently got diagnosed with mitral valve prolapse. And on top of that, I have severe asthma as well as as well as pending neurological.
1: How, and if you don't answer any question that you don't feel comfortable answering, but how old were you when you first joined the military and what medical issues did you have prior to getting the shot and which shot did you get?
0: I was 21 years old when I joined the military, had just turned 21 and I... Oh no, (laughs) what was the other question? I'm so sorry. It's
1: okay. And it's okay. There's a lot of questions. Which shot did you get? And what medical issues did you have prior to joining the military?
0: So I actually got the Moderna vaccine one and two. So both of those were attributed, both of those contributed to my medical conditions. I've never had any medical conditions leading up to that. I was playing five sports year round between basketball, soccer, swim, softball, cross country, things like that, and never seen the inside of a hospital, don't know much about the medical field leading up to that point.
1: Okay. You're like most young people that join and join when they're young. Most are very healthy and no medical issues, but then life changed, and you said it was in March when when life significantly started changing for you. Is that right? Correct. So take me down that road.
0: So when I first got the vaccine in the first 24 hours, I had a headache. I had sinus infection symptoms, uh, stuffy nose, pressure in my face, in my head. I was a little bit dizzy. And it was pretty typical, like the uh, shortness of breath. That's pretty much how the sinus infection symptoms go. I was told to not report to drill the next day because of my symptoms um, appearing as COVID, right? That was normal symptoms for the COVID vaccine that I was told second vaccine when i got it in april of 2021 i had experienced all of that but on top of that dizziness high heart rate pins and needle feelings throughout my whole body pretty much feels like a tattoo throughout your whole body and i also was experiencing my first fever my whole life
1: wow now so to help parallel our stories because our stories do come together even though we've never met before. At this time, I'm in Alaska and I'm consenting my patients, usually it's beneficiaries and talking to the spouses saying, hey, what do you, what are you willing to accept? So you're read on a list if your spouse doesn't get this, okay. And I would tell them, these are the, the potential concerns that I have is the ingredients in Pfizer and in Moderna are these lipid nanoparticles. And if you look at the material safety data sheets on them, they're not valid for human use they're not validated for veterinary use. And so I would like to believe that many of my patients ended up not getting it because of that, that counseling that I got, but it seems that you never got any counseling like that. No physician ever spoke to you about the realities of this.
0: Not at all. I was working at the hospital in a surgical center at the time when I received the vaccine. That's not who administered it, right? I got sent to Fort Pickett, Virginia to go get the vaccine. But at the time when I was working during the week, I was in that surgical department and I would see the news with different updates and they would talk about the J&J with the blood clots or whatever it was. They would say it was rare, but it was something that they had seen. And I was never informed of any of that for Moderna or Pfizer, but those were none of the things that were being broadcast at the time. And the medical providers that had spoken to us, if there were even truly medical providers, had definitely not disclosed any of that information.
1: Did you remember any of the counseling that you received by the physician beforehand? Is it just like, yeah, it'll help you.
0: They told us that we would have a sore arm, potentially some COVID symptoms. And that was that. Wow. And, oh, and on top of that, so they made us wait 20 minutes after. You didn't have any symptoms within 20 minutes, then you were free to go.
1: Wow. And did they, they counsel you at all about potential risk of being pregnant and how you should not take this if you're pregnant or be trying to become pregnant or any, breastfeeding or anything like that? Nothing at all. Wow. And I want to remind Honestly, all the listeners that... Honestly, that wouldn't even
0: have crossed my mind.
1: And typically young, that's not something, but as a physician, that is something that needs to be discussed, especially when all of the tests we now have learned specifically excluded pregnant and breastfeeding women in fact, went so far as to say, it told the men who were in the study to not get your partner pregnant until at least 60 days after your last shot.
0: I remember hearing that, but not through any of the providers that I had spoken to directly.
1: All that information was hidden and covered at the time. It didn't come out till sometime later. I believe it was in 2022 right. when that information finally came out. Yep. But doctors didn't care. They didn't care to ask. They just like everybody gets it. Even if you've had anaphylaxis to it in the past, we'll have an EpiPen ready. I've actually heard that from an from someone who knows a allergist. Wow. From another Not another to say to that one, that that's was... terrible. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep going down that road. So you got the first shot and then you had some issues and then the second shot, was there more issues at that point?
0: There was more issues at that point. So I had already discussed the fever that I had never experienced until that day. It was pretty much all night, and I was in bed for about four days, and I was just told these are uncommon. It's uncommon that you are experiencing this much or this many symptoms this soon, but they had said it's possible, right? And so I was given ibuprofen, things like that, and I just took that, went home, slept, and prayed that things got better give it about a month, and then I was in basic training and my health had just completely done a 180. It went from cold symptoms, sinus infection symptoms, back to a severe cold and trouble breathing. It progressed over the next eight weeks and turned into what they thought was bronchitis. And I was prescribed multiple medications, inhalers, and was experiencing really bad dizziness, coughing up blood, high heart rate, all those things.
1: Coughing blood? Wow. And where'd you do basic at?
0: I was at Fort or Wood.
1: Okay. And did they take care, ter- did they take care of your medical issues and did they take them seriously or did, because you were private, did they, uh, whatever, this is just sick call, it's no big deal.
0: Sick call, no big deal. Didn't do any real testing on me and just pretty much handed me medication, said, go back to your company. So I did, and I was told, obviously, if you go to sick call, you have to be wise of when you do it, otherwise you're not gonna graduate basic. And at that point, everyone's just trying to get through basic because who wants to get recycled? No one.
1: And and this interview I'm doing with you is going to be published just after another interview I did with another service member. And he's a senior sergeant first class who had some issues with his chain of command and them requesting HIPAA information from him. And so if you've had any experience of why are you going to the doctor, what is the diagnosis that's taking you to the doctor, please mention that too, because that is seems to be rampant throughout the military, and it's completely illegal.
0: I definitely had a lot of HIPAA complaints, things like that. One big case that I had experienced was they took my name and my information right. And they supposedly this could be a mistake. It could be, I don't know what was really going on, but it just seemed to be very common for my eight months in Fort Huachuca that they had mixed me up with another girl at a completely different company and were calling her with my medical information and leaving her voicemails about my Holter monitor results, sending my Holter monitor to different locations, things like that. And they were talking about, hey, you need these procedures, these appointments. And then also I found out from my platoon that they were discussing my appointments with my platoon. As to why they could or could not have me go to those appointments and so my platoon versus my drill sergeants were coming to me and telling me hey stands like your things are getting canceled or hey this is what they told us and then i would go down to the drill sergeant office and ask them hey what's going on right give them a chance to say it for themselves and i would get completely different answers and then i would call the next day for instance i called the next day to fort bliss texas where i was receiving care and ask them what's going on. I need a phone recording. I need something to verify what is going on. And they said that your appointments got canceled on literally bold face lies.
1: Wow. And just so the listener knows, the only one who's allowed to speak to to the doctor, to the physician, is the company commander or a commander who is designated a commander, not the first sergeant, not the drill sergeant. And even then, the physician is not allowed to spill specific HIPAA information. Let's say you saw me as a patient because I was the medical director for a period of time while, while you were there, and unfortunately, I had no idea that the situation with you was going on. But let's say your commander needed to talk to me, I would say, yes, you're having some serious medical issues and consider you out of training until further notice or consider you just excuse you for all of your appointments if you don't need to be completely removed from training. But I cannot say the diagnosis. I can't say the specifics, only how it affects the mission. And with the last interview I did, his master sergeant was requesting specific diagnoses, which is completely inappropriate.
0: Right. And I think on top of that, the other issue is that obviously things happen, miscommunication happens and things get lost in translation. Right. But to a certain extent, how much grace can you give? Because my appointments are getting canceled, but they have to be verified by date of birth and social security number and by my name. So who is providing that information? Right. And they're literally putting out my information to whoever by whoever without my consent
1: name and date of birth of the patient, they're not given by the medical provider. I don't call you and go, hey, is this so-and-so with your date of birth of such-and-such? Yeah. Such? I say, exactly, is this so-and-so? they say verify. Yeah, can you tell me your date of birth? Okay, now I've verified it. And so right. that clearly wasn't done, or your health information was being put into the wrong patient chart, because how else would they Correct. look you up and find the wrong number?
0: And... The other thing that had happened, right? So I did my own investigation because they told me I had two years to use that phone recording. I decided to call back probably two months ago. I called Fort Bliss, Texas. I asked them about, hey, I, I wanna pull up this phone recording by this person. This person is who I spoke to. A, it was like the lead of appointment lines. I don't really know her position, but basically the head of it. So I gave her name and they said, oh, actually she doesn't work here anymore. And so I was like, okay, so can I still get that phone recording? And they were like, no, there's nothing we can do about it. And I said, per her, and this is her phone number. This is her position, right? This is what she told me. I have two years to use this phone recording. And they said, we can pull up this and this. So those things were that they could pull up when my appointments were made, what appointments I attended and when I was there. Right. And so I said, okay, pull up any appointments that you guys had scheduled for me, pull up when I attended those appointments and any cancellations. And the appointments that had been scheduled for me, which I had emails verifying those scheduled appointments, all of a sudden didn't exist in their database. And then on top of that, there was appointments that were supposedly made that a provider, I will be careful of saying their name, but a provider at uh, Fort Huachuca who actually signed me in and said that I was there in Texas when I was actually in Arizona at 545 in the morning.
1: Wow. Yeah, I just want to caution you, you let's not use any any names to avoid any lawsuits, but there are times where I will suggest, and you and I spoke prior to this, that there is a nurse, and again, let's refrain from using names, who I believe you need to figure out where she has a license and put a complaint against her license. And, okay, so that's what's going on now. So at some point you eventually moved to uh, Fort Huachuca, is that right? Uh, I did. What point did you move to Fort Huachuca?
0: So I was in Fort Huachuca August of 2021.
1: Okay. And just for that month or for how?
0: I I left end of February, 2022.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was medical director from July to September. Okay. (laughs) They removed me that quickly. (laughs) Just
0: overlapped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: And and during your your short stay at Fort Huachuca, now I remember you telling me a story of you went to sick call because you were having some issues. Can you tell that story?
0: I did. So I went to Sick Hall September. I want to say it was within three weeks of being there. I was still undergoing the medications and the treatment plan that Fort Leonard Wood had given me right before I graduated basic training. So I went to Fort Huachuca. Things got worse. I was taking my physical fitness test. I was blacking out. I was dizzy. I was dealing with throwing up, not throwing up, but coughing up blood again, and. It felt like what was a lot of chest pain, right? So felt like palpitations, things like that. I didn't really think of what I was experiencing. I just knew what it felt like and that I probably should report it because it was getting worse. So I went to uh, sickle almost, I want to say in like the first three months that I was there, I w- went at least three times a week, um, either reporting symptoms or they would give me appointments and things like that to follow up
1: and so let me give a little insight into someone showing up to sick call three times a week because you would think wow the normal thought should be wow this person is ill and they haven't been treated appropriately that's why they keep coming back that's what you should think and that's what everyone in the world should think but unfortunately in reality when someone shows up to sick call they get this there's this idea that's always around that oh this person showing up they must be trying to get out of training they must be a dirtbag right Yeah. There's no way they could have serious medical issues that never went unresolved, and that's why they keep coming back, even though that's the reality of the situation. When I was in residency, I learned if someone comes to the ER, treat them. If you can't find any reason to treat them, then okay, then, then get them out the door and get them set up with an appointment. If they come back again, you miss something. Something is right. wrong with this patient, and you need to be careful that they don't die. you got to figure this out, and if you can't figure it out, and let's say they come back a third time, give it to a different doctor who has clear eyes that can see what could be the problem. And you were going three times a week. Now, sick call is not exactly the emergency room, but it's as close as you can get without having to be driven off by an ambulance.
0: Yeah, I was getting seen obviously three times a week. They were making appointments for me and it pretty much was just the same old, this is what you're experiencing. So they would give me a, a profile for chest pain or they diagnosed, this is what they put on my profile was asthma and I had not had any sort of formal diagnosis for asthma, they had also put it on my profile, I had a rib injury, aka fractured ribs from coughing so much, and I had not had any scans done. So there's these big claims being made that are not technically true. And I'm getting treated as basically, I'm incapable of performing duties, but they were not even sitting there and testing everything under the sun.
1: Like it's fraud to put in diagnoses that, that haven't been verified. Right. Wow. And so there was one point where you came in and was it due to chest pain or was it a different symptom? And then this particular nurse told you to look around, go ahead and share that story if you can.
0: Oh, so not even a nurse service member. She had told me to come. That captain
1: is a nurse. That captain is is a registered nurse. Yes.
0: Oh, good. Okay. So I I, I suggest you
1: find her information, figure out where she's licensed and put a complaint against her license for this story that you're about to tell.
0: Awesome. Okay. So for about two and a half weeks, I was experiencing what felt like a balloon in my chest, right? And it would expand, push up against my sternum, cause severe pain, and then it would slowly deflate. That's the sensation I was getting. You could call that a palpitation. That's pretty much what, what I was experiencing, but I didn't really ever know what that felt like before. And so that's just the closest I could come up with. I went into the clinic actually three times in one day. So I went earlier than I was supposed to, because they said, Hey, you're having chest pain. Go to the clinic for sick call. So I go to sick call that's at five in the morning, right? I'm missing PT for this. I go to sick call. And I said, Hey, I have chest pain. They were like, okay, come back. You already have an appointment. And then someone else said, no, actually, we're going to move your appointment earlier. So I go back in. I walk into the door and this individual, right.
1: Can I pause you for a second that you're going to a clinic for chest pain in your chest and they're sending you to a clinic appointment and scheduling you for an appointment later that day. That is mind boggling because if I were to ever hear, oh, you have chest pain, let's call the ambulance. Let's get you to the ER to make sure it's not something life threatening. And then once we know that it's not life-threatening, then we'll have you in the clinic later today. And if you go to the emergency room and it is life-threatening, don't worry, we'll cancel your appointment. We'll get you back in whenever you get released from the hospital. But that's not what they did. We're going to schedule an appointment for your chest pain.
0: Yeah. So I went in for my appointment, and this individual, obviously registered nurse, decides to tell me, hey, why are you here? And I said, for chest pain. And she says, look around. I look around the waiting room and she says, we look busy, don't we? And I said, yes, ma'am, obviously respecting rank. And she goes, come back another day. And I was like, yes, ma'am. So I turned around, went back to the barracks, told my drill sergeant. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm experiencing this. And they had been tracking my situation at that point, right? Drill sergeants are only going to have so much room to work with. And they had suggested, which is the first time this was ever brought to my attention that you can call a registered or the nurse hotline, right? And they tell you where to go. And so nurse hotline was like, you need to go to the ER like now. So I went and that was heart attack number one. Very, I don't even, it was like very uneventful.
1: I can't stress this enough that you were having chest pain that's one of the big red flags of hello symptom problem needs to be addressed immediately they scheduled an appointment for you after hearing you had chest pain then a registered nurse who is also a captain again you must you must com- put a complaint against her license yeah said look around it's busy why don't you go back to training when you were there for your scheduled appointment for chest pain wow if i knew any of this was going on i would have oh heads oh it would have been bad
0: Yeah. I'm new to the medical community at this point, right? This is the first time I've really seen medical field and like what it entails. I'm not expecting to hear at 21 years old that, hey, you had a heart attack, whether it's minor or not, right? It's still damage to the heart. And so at this point, I'm I'm 21, right? So I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening? And they gave me, wait for it, aspirin and pain medication.
1: Did you stay in the hospital at all?
0: Probably eight hours. And then they released me and I was on bed rest for two days.
1: Wow. And being a layperson, not a medical professional, I would expect you to have no idea that chest pain is such a big deal. That's not your responsibility. That's the nurse's responsibility. That's the medic's responsibility. That's the doctor's responsibility to, to go, oh, you're complaining of chest pain let's get you to the emergency room not to a scheduled clinic appointment that ends up getting canceled because some nurse suggests that you should leave right
0: (laughs) and i laugh about it now because i'm like honestly looking back you couldn't get any dumber in decision making
1: it was completely selfish decision making it's there's too much work to be done today and i'd rather you go home and not deal with it i don't care what happens to you yeah. as a person you could drop dead because it's chest pain but i don't really care i just want to do less work
0: and the fact that appointment would not have been documented specifically for chest pain right once i get seen by a provider they put that in their notes but if i don't even see a provider no one's putting that in their notes to say hey we have we understand where this soldier is we know where the soldier is because of chest pain Blah 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 they got sent to the er all that there's probably no record in that system that says that I went there that day for chest pain, other than what papers I have.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it because if you didn't, even if you had a scheduled appointment, if it didn't say for chest pain and they cancel it, it's gone forever. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so let's keep going down the road of of what happened.
0: I got diagnosed late October. So that was October 18th specifically. I got diagnosed with asthma without any proper diagnosis, right? They put that on my profile, that chest pain is being caused by asthma, shortness of breath is being caused by asthma, whatever. That's a different provider at the exact same clinic who is putting all these statements in, right? November yeah. comes around, yeah, November comes around and they said, if you want to see a pulmonologist and mind you, I've probably been in that clinic about 11, 12 times in a month, right? So, I'm doing my follow-ups and I'm requesting providers, different providers, and they tell me, hey, you need a pulmonologist, right, for breathing issues. So I'm like, okay. I call every pulmonologist that I was allowed to, right, within the TRICARE system that would be covered. They said I wasn't going to get seen until that May. So we're October to May. That's about eight months. Wow. Eight months waiting to find some sort of help for breathing, okay? So if it's a life-altering condition, why are we waiting eight months? I don't know. They told me because of COVID. So I was like, there's got to be another way. My godfather, retired lieutenant colonel, he got on the phone with me and he was like, no, there's a bigger medical facility in Texas. It's called Fort Bliss. And he was like, you need to push for that. So went back to the clinic. I said, you guys, like, is there anything else? Can I go to Fort Bliss? Can I go to, what's the one in DC? I forget what it's called.
1: Well, there's... Uh, Walter Reed, there's yeah, BAMC in, in San Antonio, which is a massive medical center. In fact, what's insane about this is during this time, maybe just before this happened, because I was suspended on 13 September of 21, probably early August, I was talking to my nursing staff about a spouse of a service member who was recently diagnosed with MS and oh. couldn't see a neurologist in the, shortly after receiving Moderna. Never had any problems with MS prior to um, Moderna. They got Moderna, had uh, a flare of MS. Couldn't be seen by any neurologist in the state for about eight months or so. And so they put in a request for medical TDY, which is you get moved to a new location to, just for medical reasons. They should have done that for you. I mean, not what st-
0: happened to me. But yeah, I had to go through another training. I had to... In the letter I wrote to my commander, right? This is the second company I was with. I requested, I was like, anything for me to get better medical attention and my symptoms to get better, I will take it at this point. I give them three options. I said, I've done my research. I understand your position and the power you have. I understand my rank and the power I probably don't really have. But this is what I do know, And I gave them three options. And I said, I'm willing to do any of these three options. They moved me to Virginia to complete a second training so I could receive medical care.
1: But that's the thing is they can move you to a different medical facility just to re- receive medical care. Like in San and Antonio. they
0: refused to do it. My godfather called battalion commander and asked about it and they were like, it's not happening.
1: Wow. So like in San Antonio, they yeah. actually have housing for service members because they know people go there and stay there while they're being treated. So they actually have specific housing just for service and it's very nice housing just for service members to be treated at the hospital
0: you know what the nurse case manager told me we only do that for people that have the like the issues as severe as cancer so they said if you don't have cancer you're not dying right now that's not going to happen
1: heart attacks they told
0: yeah so they told me that they said they flew someone there they told me they flew someone there with cancer and i was like okay
1: which, by the way is on the rise since people have been receiving these shots okay so you get moving moved to virginia is that right
0: i got moved to virginia yep fort lee right where okay. it all started
1: <laughs> wow <laughs> and and you received treatment there yeah okay um, Yep,
0: at the naval medical center
1: okay and did that treatment help was it did they only treat your lungs or did they refuse to admit that it could possibly be the shot and most likely the shot
0: So, I mean, with I want to say I was in the hospital about six or seven times in my time in Arizona, right? So that's a lot of hospital visits. I was then also taken to the hospital again in Virginia. Um, I was only there for two, two and a half months. So almost a hospital visit every month they didn't really treat anything other than my asthma and they had put me on all these inhalers and medications and whatnot but everything was like oh we're going to run this test and we're going to run that test we're going to do this blood work and we're going to do that blood work but nothing was definite on what kind of treatment plan they wanted to have me on i'd still yet to see a cardiologist so mind you this is two heart attacks later and i still have never ever seen a cardiologist until april
1: it just boggles my mind because if they say you had a heart attack that means they drew troponins which is a blood uh lab that shows if there's heart damage and if you have positive troponins then you've had a heart attack yes. and it's not a long issue there could be a concomitant long issue, like both happening at the same time but if you have positive troponins you have had a heart attack and you need to see a cardiologist wow
0: yeah like time now <laughs> yeah so i was in with Fort Lee, Virginia, waiting, obviously, to get seen by a cardiologist. I saw a pulmonologist. I got an echocardiogram done while I was at the Naval Medical Center, and they had me doing a workup with the allergy clinic as well, because apparently I was allergic to everything under the sun. That was something new to me as well. That was like the least of my concerns, but obviously that with your breathing is not a good situation. So they were concerned about that, but I left there. I got released from active duty to be precise. I got released from active duty and they said, if we don't tell you anything, then you're good to go. And at this point I knew what I was supposed to, I knew what was supposed to happen, right? I knew they weren't supposed to release me from active duty with all these medical conditions that were either one undiagnosed, right? And still pending evaluations or two, they don't have any treatment plan or didn't fix me. At this point, I'm tired of the medical system within the military. I'm getting pushed around doctor to doctor, state to state, and provider to provider. I was like, enough's enough. I'd rather just go home and figure this out and not do their job for them.
1: So what you just mentioned is, which which you did not mention, and I want to bring attention to this also, <clears throat> is the idea of a line of duty. When you're on reserve time, and let's say you get injured, you do a parachute jump and let's say you break your ankle before you leave that active duty time you get what they call a line of duty meaning this injury happened in the line of duty and they failed you in that sense they did not give you that line of duty which means that care will not continue to pay and that's what you're experiencing now is that correct
0: yeah 100 percent Seventy thousand dollars later
1: <laughs> wow and you have a gift send go set up yeah. is that correct and I'll put the link down below. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Please consider giving. So
0: it's crazy because yeah, I obviously released from active duty without any line of duty. I was sent to my unit and I had, I think it was my third or fourth Holter monitor. I was prescribed in that time being. And so I had told my unit, I was like, Hey, you guys want us to report for drill this month. And let's say it was a week or two from that point. And I said, I have a Holter monitor on. I cannot sweat with this thing because it'll come off. And they're doing an evaluation on me. I'm on a profile as well. And what did they tell me? They said, don't come in. You're on a medical eval. Don't worry about it. Then there was paperwork I had to do just as a reservist, whatever in processing that I needed to do to go to my next unit from your initial unit to your, your home unit, right? I guess you could call it. They We're supposed to do paperwork with me. I went in like I was told to, and the sergeant there had no idea that I was supposed to be there. And so what did I do for eight hours that day? I built bikes. They had me build bikes. I didn't fill out a single ounce of paperwork. Then I emailed them, I called them and everything for months on end and didn't receive any sort of notification back as to what was going on. So October rolls around, right? This is April to October. Count the months on that one. No sort of news. I had no idea. And I was like, I'm going to go to Florida because that's where my family is. That's where the best medical care is. And at this point, I'm on my own. They've literally abandoned me at this point. Wow. And the bills were pouring in from active duty as well. I was getting billed for active duty time as well.
1: And this is an issue I ran into early when I first got out of residency is when I was in Oklahoma, there was, let's say, a a private who went to to see a doctor for whatever reason in the civilian world and was supposed to be completely covered by TRICARE. And the contract between the doctor and TRICARE is if you bill TRICARE, you do not bill the patient because TRICARE covers it. And the patient was coming to me concerned because they had a $5,000 bill. That's illegal for them to do that. It's not legal for the doctor to charge TRICARE (laughs) and charge the patient. It's medical fraud. And I talked to uh, our billing department at our hospital and they fixed that issue. But you should not be receiving bills if they billed TRICARE.
0: So honestly, I was shocked. I was like, oh, $800 here, $2,500 here for blood work. I was like, oh, they're charging me for the CT scans that the army sent me to go get. I was like, that's insane. And then I call and they said, if you don't hear anything back, then it's going to be this much money. And oh yeah, wait for this number, $35,000 for me to cover. And I was like, that's not even the amount included into what I had said about $70,000. I believe that amount had gotten, that $35,000 had been wiped out. But at that point, there's still multiple thousands of dollars and all the thousands and thousands of dollars from hospital visits I've had since then.
1: And eventually what they'll do is they'll send you a couple notices then you'll put you in collections and they'll destroy your credit.
0: If that didn't already happen, let's say that and with so a, wanna... yeah, a grain of salt because it's starting to it's happen. Starting.
1: Yeah. And I want to encourage the listeners, please go take a look at her gifts and go. The link is down below and give whatever you can to help her. So
0: it's been quite the uphill battle.
1: (laughs) And so now you're in Florida, is that correct?
0: I am in Florida. Yep.
1: Okay. And receiving treatments, are things getting better or are they about the same?
0: Things seem to be getting better. It, But if it's not one thing, it's another, right? And so I'm trying to go the holistic route because at this point, Western medicine has completely failed. Um, They just keep prescribing and they tell me we see something on the scanner or we see whatever it is, right? So they saw something wrong with my spine, something that they could do surgery on. And I guess because I'm 23, they don't care to do it. They wanted to give me an antidepressant used as a anti-nerve pain agent. They gave that to me and it completely sent my heart into an arrhythmia, was having it pause for seconds on end. And on top of that, I was waking up at 180 heart rate, just opening my eyes. That was probably a month ago. I was seen in urgent care in May for another heart attack. So that's number three. And it's it just, there's there was a seven month period where I was out of the hospitals and I was okay. And then obviously you don't know until it happens. And then there's like really big spikes. And when those spikes and flares happen, it's just terrible. But I don't wanna keep going back to the doctor. So there's, someone's gotta cut some slack at some point.
1: Yeah, and I would encourage you if you haven't already, if you're still willing to give Western medicine a try, look at FLC and see if you can find a doctor that's been trained in how to treat vaccine injury patients. Because they did a whole right. convention in Fort Worth at the beginning part of this year. Uh, I attended it and there's many doctors there. And there's probably many of them in florida that would be able to treat you uh, for the issues that you're going through
0: yeah i guess i would have to go and look at those doctors right so i'm talking about like modern day western medicine where the doctors are there for like ego or whatever or the clout i guess to say that hey yeah i'm a doctor yeah i'm a cardiologist in the Tampa region or yeah i'm a neurologist and whatever and the neurologist passes me off to the pa who completely butchers a skin biopsy so I'm on a blood thinner because I have clotting now from all of this crap. And I'm on a blood thinner too, actually. So one was Eliquis. And if you know anything about Eliquis, usually old people are on that, but they put me on that as a preventative measure on top of an adult aspirin every day. I made sure that the neurologist was aware of that. That was documented that I was in there. They put that in their records. Day of the skin biopsy right? They didn't tell me to ever get off of it. They said, oh, you're not on that much of a blood thinner. So it won't be an issue. It's just three small incisions in your leg, in my leg. So I have POTS. All the blood stays in my legs to begin with. That's why I black out all the time. Doesn't take a doctor to know this. Going for the biopsy. And I was like, just a reminder, I am on blood thinners in case you guys are not prepared for that. Oh yeah, that's fine, but it won't be that big of an issue. We'll just put pressure on it. I go back and they had documented before they met with me that day that we confirmed with the patient, she is not on blood thinners. And let me tell you, I bled for four days after four days, within three minutes, I was back in their office. I'm dripping blood down my leg. You guys need to fix this. It was taking, I was taping and gauzing my leg in three different locations for four days and it's still not well, healed and it was like 3 weeks ago
1: yeah i would so... not personally I, I would have sent you to someone else to do that that biopsy if it needed to be done with that kind of medication on board and there's no reversal agents for eliquis yeah. which is why nope. it's not such a great thing for young people cuz if you bang your head you get in a car wreck we can't reverse it
0: exactly that's the stuff that i'm experiencing and i don't know what it is with the medical community and at this point i don't think that it's just me going through this right this may be flaws across the board where there's just carelessness recklessness i don't know these providers are not taking it seriously and they look at me they're like you're 23 there's nothing we can do for you
1: wow and one thing that you have to understand looking at from the other side is these people have an idol and that idol is the Mm -hmm. shot and quote science the science as they say And to insult the science is to insult them specifically, as Fauci had said. And what you're doing is you're poking holes in their belief system. And just the mere presence of you being there and being injured by this shot is poking holes in their belief system. And now this may not be every doctor that you've seen, but this is the driving force as to why it would seem like these doctors are acting like complete idiots and not doing what's appropriate. Why nurses are sending you home, are sending you back to training when you're there for chest pain because you're... Poking holes in their God.
0: Yeah. Sounds about right.
1: So what are the next steps for you?
0: Next steps, trying to go integrative medicine, trying to go holistic route, just treat my body from like the core at this point, uh, A lot of rest, I've been focusing on my sleep schedule, things like that, natural remedies, um, infrared saunas, laser therapy. That's pretty much the route I've been going, IV therapy. There was a doctor who put me on IV therapy, and I've noticed a big change and a positive impact it's made on me, personally speaking. And obviously, I've been speaking out as well, so that's what I'm looking at. But everything's up in the air, now fighting the VA as well. So, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's been a crazy couple years, and I know it's going to be a crazier year and
1: a half. Yeah. one thing that I want to stress is that this is your story, and this is happening to you, but this is not, unfortunately, this is not a unique story. This happens to many people who are unwilling or don't have the, the means to speak about it, or don't have the means to be able to get treatment. And so I want to encourage you to keep speaking about this as you are a leader now. People will turn to you and look for courage and strength, That Oh, maybe it was the shot that hurt me. Oh, I need to keep speaking out so that I can receive the treatment that I need. And then as that continues, you will still continue to be a leader.
0: Right. And I guess it's also that if people don't understand what was the only difference in their life where they went from 100% healthy, I was able to run a 10 miler every single week. And that was what I was doing. It was like just my physical training and that's the physical capabilities I had. I was doing that every single week. And going from that to sitting there and being like, standing up is really difficult, right? Because I'm blacking out. Or even the depression that it's associated with. To get up out of bed and go take a shower or go to the gym, step foot out of your door is like a big task now right and i know i'm not the only one experiencing that and so people need to start opening their eyes to what is the only thing that changed
1: i can do anything
0: different except that
1: and that's exactly what dr chambers dr long and i tried to show when we released the dmed data the defense military epidemiologic database that showed horrible injuries to the the fighting force because it was only of the active duty military population. And it showed increase in blood pressure, increase in clots, increase in testicular cancer, ovarian cancer, heart attacks, strokes, all of these issues. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
1: And we never made the claim that the shot caused it. We made the claim that nothing else changed other than the shot. And we need to take a knee and immediately stop the vaccination, which they're not even vaccines, stop the shot process.
0: Yeah. Stop the shot, please. (laughs) So I got a text message. This is just for a story. I got a text message about three days ago, right? And this is after we found out every single possible negative thing that this shot has done to anyone from ages, infants to old people, especially the younger generation. And there's a survey, or I guess you could say a, what are they, it's like an experiment or a trial. Yeah. It would be a trial that these parents would sign up for if your kid is one and under, one years old and under, basically a newborn, to go and get their kid a shot for $1,200.
1: Wow, that's so sick. That's and only twelve
0: hundred dollars that goes in the parents. Yeah, that's twelve hundred dollars that goes in the parents' pocket, and we see what shots and vaccines have done to kids with like autism rates and different disorders, physical, uh, neurological, psychological disorders that have taken place over the years and have become more and more common. That's so much money that they're putting back in their own pocket. So yeah, I'm sure twelve hundred dollars is worth it if you're making millions off of one kid dying at such a young age.
1: And who in their right mind would allow their child to be experimented upon like that? Man, that's mind blowing.
0: People that are desperate for money, imagine anyone that has two brains, okay, I I don't want to say it like that, but anyone that has done their research, right? (laughs) Anyone that has done their research and understands what these types of groups that want money and are money hungry, Anyone that understands that will sit there and be like, something's wrong with this situation. Why are they paying us to inject our kid with something that we're not even sure is healthy for our kid? Why are children should not be experiments? Yeah. And then on top of that, we have this other, this influx in people with pulmonary issues post-vaccine, right? And post-COVID, whatever, long-haul COVID and post-vaccine injury. They're coming into the pulmonary clinics for testing. And they're getting pulmonary function tests. And I was in there because this most recent hospitalization, and I'm seeing the pulmonologist, the doctor himself, his guy that does the testing is actually contracted with the DOD. He comes in and he goes, Hey, so we have a pregnant woman over there. Is it safe for us to do a pulmonary function test on her, given that she's two months pregnant? He's obviously, because she's two months pregnant, worried about the baby, giving the mother albuterol as treatment to see how much it, it's affecting her. They might do a methacholine challenge test, whatever it may be. And he goes, that's basically not pregnant. Why does it matter? Wow. I was like, oh, that's my the most gosh. most critical time. Yes. <laughs> if you don't care about the smallest things, you will never, ever care about people as a whole. You really won't. People
1: are just heartless. And that's one of the things that's come out of COVID. And in a strange way, it's a good thing that we can see how heartless and how evil so many doctors have been. And even nurses who have told patients with chest pain, having heart attacks to go home, go back to training. Yeah. How heartless can you be? How uncaring? And... And in my opinion, not needing to continue to be a nurse. And that's why I want to strongly encourage you to go report that behavior to that nursing board, yeah. wherever she has a nurse nursing license, because that is completely unacceptable.
0: Yeah. I guess after this, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions regarding that and see how I can navigate that route. Sure. <laughs> I don't I'm want unhealthy. to say it on air. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, we'll talk after. Um, awesome. and, and I want to encourage the listeners, if you haven't gone back and listened to my episode 33, please go back and listen to episode 33. What I do in that episode is I use all public source documentation to show you how I believe that the shot itself, not not the illness, but the shot itself is a bioweapon developed in part by China. And I took that information, as soon as I stumbled across it, I took it to the garrison commander of Fort Huachuca. And I got some crazy looks, and he said, you may be right, but you got to keep fighting that outside of the military. And the reason I brought that to his attention is, if only 1% of what I postulate is correct, 1% of it correct, not a 1% chance of it being correct, even a 1% chance of it being correct, everything needs to be stopped immediately. And no one in the United States should be allowed to even get it, even if they wanted to. They shouldn't be allowed to have it.
0: Florida is trying to ban it completely, make it a crime. I know there was a couple other states in the Midwest that had banned it completely, made it a misdemeanor felony, whatever it was. I forget, but yeah.
1: And I've, got some connections to people in Florida and I was trying to get my affidavit, which is basically my medical exemption, to some of those leadership in Florida. Because what I stated in there is that the three lipid nanoparticles in Pfizer, if you look at the material safety data sheets on those, it says that they're not validated for human use and not for veterinary use. And it specifically says that. that if there is, if there's any injury caused by these, it's not on us, the manufacturer, it's on the experimenter who's using this. Wow. And we're injecting it into people. It's just mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. There's not much. Yeah. I don't don't know where this country is going or where medical community is going. They say that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's so clear.
1: Now, if you don't want to go down this next road, just stop me. But how how has this affected your spiritual life, if you want to talk about that? If you don't, I understand. That's a very private thing.
0: Honestly, it's positively impacted it. Because it just, sh- it's very clear the parallel. There's not even really a parallel, right? There's like a crossroad of do you have faith or are you going to rely on people? And people will fail you all the time. So something else has to carry you through this. Obviously, it's why me and why did bad things happen to good people? And that's been like a big struggle with me. But if I didn't go through it, someone else would have to go through it. And would they be able to fight the fight? I don't think so. Because in the end of the day, right? Like I talked to a cardiologist about this. I was like, if I died in my sleep, it would end all the pain, all the suffering, things like that. And that was probably about eight months ago, I was saying that. But there's a reason why I'm here and going through what I'm going through. And I have to acknowledge that, accept it, and just keep fighting. Someone else needs me to fight it for them.
1: Because there's, unfortunately your story is not unique. There are many service members, even generals who have received the shot I know of one general in particular who is a Marine General and he's allegedly a war fighting general, like a man who would kick down doors and his right hand became dysfunctional to where he can't even pull a trigger. And so he had to be That's discharged. So sad. And wow. And it's like we need those service members who have been discharged to get the bravery to speak out as you are.
0: Right. And I think obviously there's a There's a standard and a stigma, right? There's a standard for service members to basically uphold a certain extent of obeying the law. But then at the same time, are you going to stand up for freedom? That's what you're fighting for, right? You're going to fight for that. And I didn't know when I joined the service that this was going to be my fight. And whether it's domestic or it's foreign, I'm still fighting something. This just happens to be domestic. And People, they really don't know what to do. They're afraid. Who's going to look at me? Who's going to come after me? Who's going to sue me? This, that, the other thing. And it's honestly, at this point, I'm not afraid of all that other BS that could happen, right? My unit calls me, they're like, yeah, we know what you've been doing. We know you've been online. We know you've been talking about all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, that's good. (laughs) What are they going to do about it? I've already signed like protection acts. There's not much they're going to do.
1: Oh, and that's why the name of the show is After Hours of Dr. Sigaloff, because I was told, oh, you can't talk about COVID vaccine or virus during the duty day or in uniform. And so the name of the show is After Hours, because it is After Hours.
0: Exactly. They said, as long as you're in uniform, you can't talk about it. Guess what? I'm never in uniform. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, and by the 31st of August, I'll never be in uniform again.
0: Okay. Yeah, I probably won't be in uniform for a really long time. I I have doctors saying that I'm not allowed to report for duty or any of that stuff until further cleared. I don't think, I don't foresee myself getting cleared anytime soon. So at this point, they can have that one, eat that one up
1: carolina i want to thank you so much for your fight for your bravery for your courage i want to encourage the listeners to pray for you and if they have it within their funds to go to the give send go link down below and help contribute to help with your medical bills and if there's any way that i can help you in the future please let me know
0: thank you so much i really appreciate you having me here
1: thank you god bless Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.